the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So Gideon has delivered the Israelites out of bondage. Israelites think he's the Messiah. Well, that's a common mistake, as we'll find out today. Gideon, though, says, sorry, I'm not the Christ. Wave Grace, next. straightforward. The Israelites were anticipating a king. They were anticipating a redeemer, a messiah. And when Gideon comes along and actually redeems them from the Midianites, they tend to think this is it. Gideon says, sorry, not it. This is just a small struggle in the greater struggle against sin. There is another to come. We invite you to join us today here on Way of Grace as Pastor Jessica Stan takes us to Judges chapter 8, verses 13 through 29. Oh, sure, a king was anticipated, a redeemer, but Gideon wasn't it, and he was careful to say so. Here's Pastor Jesse with more on today's edition of Way of Grace. The role of the judges, as you and I have talked about as we've laid down the overarching principle of the judges, is a a medium between the patriarchy and the monarchy. I'll put that vision back out to you. Judges operated as temporary sources of spiritual and, and, and moral and ethical guidance for the people of God between the patriarchal promises given to Abraham and the monarchical prob, uh, promises that would emerge in the 12 tribes of Israel, particularly under one man. If you understand the nuance of that statement, you'll get why what Gideon is is a model of that one man. There are two stages to the ultimate man, but Gideon is a model of that one man, and it's important for you to know that. Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. So the scriptures are explicitly and comprehensively, but sometimes in a very technical way, hard to see about Jesus. Gideon is a magnificent type of Christ in peculiar areas in which it should mark you and me, because really, by way of application, every one of us are called to a task or a mission, very much like Gideon. The paradoxical uh, requirements of Gideon being a type of Christ, yet being called to be a judge, and here he is in the closing of his uh, campaign, his escapade, his calling, his mission, if you will, I'm laying a foundation, He's being asked to rule over all Israel. This is where you get the first request for a king. You need to know that. The children of Israel very much are in a place of a need. We're going to unpack that. And Gideon is being requested by the people to be the king. And I mean the average individual 
who would fall into this kind of uh, serendipitous state of finding himself in favor with the whole northern tribe of Israel. That would be seven or eight tribes, you guys, the 10 northern tribes and then the two southern tribes. So Judah and Benjamin are kind of way out of the picture geographically, but the vast majority of them are asking for Gideon to be the king. Now watch this. If it were you in the precariousness of a struggle and a challenge and, uh, and you were like Gideon, so we're going to revisit Gideon just for a moment here. And you, you know Gideon doesn't have any real confidence in himself. This has shown itself all the way through his ministry. I love it. Because it's what kept him from what most people would fall into at the end of his ministry. And that is being exalted by men. Exalted by men. It took a lot of understanding on Gideon's part not to collapse into being exalted by men. Please don't miss that. This is what makes him such a beautiful type of my master. And so that's that's kind of where we're going to drill down and understanding what he is doing. What is Gideon doing Gideon is at his best in the manner in which he is about to address a request that I call idolatrous at the least and unthankful at the worst on the part of the people of God who actually do need a leader. Once again, Gideon's humility and reverence for God delivers him from the pride of being exalted by men. Remember John the Baptist, the cousin of the Lord Jesus? Israel tried to do that to him. And do you remember what he said? I am not the Christ. I confess and deny not that I am not the Christ. Do not come and try to put me on a pedestal and make me the Savior. John the Baptist got it. John the Baptist got it. Didn't he get it? And yet Jesus called him the greatest of all the prophets. Now, when you get that kind of accolade from the quintessential prophet, you're some kind of brother. And yet what you must know is that John the Baptist also was very clear that he would never, by the grace of God, occupy a position which only belongs to the Son of God. Now, I'll just, I'll just press down on this one a little bit more. This is the spiritual and cosmic battle that goes on in our world all the time. Everything we're dealing with on the level of policy and 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 propositions and laws and regulations and authorial rule over people is all about people trying to usurp the place of Christ. That's what you and I are dealing with right now everywhere on the planet. And I might also say, if you and I were to be honest, if we're going to be saved today, (laughs) Many situations will occur in our past life that we can look at where we will tell Jesus to get out of the way and we will take rule too. Just thinking through. Angela was talking about, you know, us being able to fight a good fight and, and make sure we know who our enemies are. Our enemies are not the folks out there in the political world. Their policies are evil, but they're not our enemy. And you're fighting the wrong battle if you think the enemy is biting, the enemy is the administration, or the enemy is the left or the right. No, the enemy is sin. 
That's the enemy. And remember what we learned about Gideon. He couldn't serve God effectively until he took care of his own house. So let that arrow come on right on around and back and keep you from the pride of political ascent. And so Gideon is doing something remarkable in the text that, I, again, most people miss because most of your preachers and teachers are not understanding the chief organizing principle of the word of God. It's about Jesus and not about Gideon. And so when, when our narratives have people acting out in certain peculiar ways that you and I are not used to, we will actually miss the underlying mystery of their behavior. But are you on track right now? Are y'all on track with me? So Gideon is very clearly in the pocket of the son of God. And what Gideon said over in the uh, uh, 23rd verse, and Gideon said unto them, I will not rule over you. Neither will I let my sons fall into that pride. Really means Gideon had a deeper understanding of the word of God than you and I might think. See, children of God, he understood whom God had chosen to be kings over Israel until the coming of the great king. And what he knew was that Israel had no right to arbitrarily choose a ruler. Y'all keeping up with me? And Gideon wouldn't come under that condemnation. Thank God for Gideon's humility. Humility will keep you. I don't know. I don't know if you get that. Humility will keep you from acting a worse food than you act anyway. Point number one, a king was anticipated for sure. A king was anticipated. This is way back in Genesis 17 where God says to Abraham, your name will no longer, 17.4, please, your name will no longer be Abram, but Abraham. No longer will you be called the exalted father. Abba as father. Abram means exalted. Aram. Uh, uh, the uh, um, Aramean culture is rooted in the Hebrew term Aram. It means to be exalted. Abba means father. Abraham was called by God, the exalted father. He's a picture of God, the father. And out of Abraham would come nations and kingdoms and kings. That's what he told Abraham. For as behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. Verse five, neither shall your name be any more called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham for a father of many nations have I already made you? You see, God has the right to do that when he owns us as his creatures, he can define us. And we ain't got nothing to say about it. It is what it is. Verse six, and I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make what out of you? And what? Kings. Now this is where we move from the Abrahamic covenant to the Davidic covenant. This is what we come to understand that God is going to raise up out of the patriarchy, a monarch who would sit on God's throne and rule the nations of the world. What is his name, saints? Jesus. You see it, don't you? Way back before Gideon, let's say Abraham is 2,100 years before Christ. Gideon is some thousand years, 900 years before Christ. Way back before Gideon, God allowed Gideon to remember what the scriptures say. Remember our theme verse? Remember the word unto thy servant upon which you have caused us to hope. This is our comfort in our affliction because your word gives us life. 
Gideon was able to reach back into the promises of God and understood no matter how tempting it was in the flesh to be exalted by men that these precious people whom God had brought out of Egypt don't have the right to choose their rulers. That's God's prerogative. Y'all keeping up with me? All right, because we are looking at how God prepares whom he will for what he will when he ultimately will bring about the real choice. So under point number one, quickly, a king was anticipated. So point A, they will choose a king. God knows that too. So Abraham is told that kings will come out of you. And then God has to tell uh, Moses, hey, Moses, these people you're, you're guiding, they're going to get beside themselves and think they have a right to choose a king. Deuteronomy chapter 17, I want you to mark it. Verse 14, listen to the language. Now, when you are coming to the land which the Lord your God gives you, and you shall possess it. Now, saints, how are they going to come into the land uh, of Israel? By the grace of God. How are they going to possess it? By God's sovereign decree and his intervention to establish his own promise in their life. In other words, they're only going to enter into the reality of God's promise by his power and by his grace. Is that true? I've said it before in my in my my discourse around political things, as you know, I deal with on Mondays. Uh, Israel does not own the land of Palestine over there. God does. That's Leviticus 25, just in case you think he, they do. God owns the land and Israel were tenants renting the land. And God says, if you act a fool, I'm going to kick you out. Well, God says that for every one of us. We're just we're on loan down here. We don't own anything. Even the devil is helping you understand that you will own nothing and be happy about it. Now, it's going to take some dope to make you happy, but that's another conversation. You and I don't own anything down here. If we're not owned by God, we own nothing down here. Now, the meek will inherit the earth, but we don't own anything. So I stop acting like you do. Now, notice what he says, and it shall dwell and they shall dwell therein. And you shall say, you see how God has already seen what's in their heart. Watch this. I will set a king over me. Now, look at the construction there. Israel is talking as one man saying, I will set a king over me. This is how you know it's not the gospel. This is how you know it's not the grace of God. This is how you know it's not a call on your life. Because there's no way that God will let you set a king over you and God be God. It's important for you to know that Gideon is sharper than you think. And then notice the the requisite for them doing that as all the nations about me do. You see it? See, right there is what we call the seeds of apostasy. The people of God just divesting themselves of the sovereignty of God, of the covenant of God, of the will of God, of the explicit testimony of God, and them doing their own thing. If this is not free will, I don't know what is. They're just doing whatever they want. Sound like Isaiah 14. I will be like the most high God. I'm telling you, you need to appreciate Gideon. Because Gideon said, no way, you're not going to get me in that Kafka trap. It's not going to happen. Not for me, nor my what? Because Gideon understood the tribe of Judah is the only tribe that God honored for the monarchy. So very important. So under sub point B, we see that sub point A, we see that they are choosing a king for themselves. And just let's walk this through a little bit because I have you. You're not going to leave until I say praise God from whom all blessings flow. I, 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 I know that. 
Now, some of you might walk out, but listen to what it says in verse, verse 15. Let's walk through this. Let's, today we need to be taught. This, we're in our text, De- Deuteronomy 17, verse 15, please. Because what God does is give a commentary about the king that they're going to choose. Um, here we go. Then you shall bring forth a man, bring forth. Uh, then you shall on any wise set a king over thee. What? Whom the Lord your God shall choose. You didn't see any of that going on in the judge's account, did you? You didn't see anybody praying. You didn't see anybody inquiring of the Lord, did you? That's why Gideon is going to do what he's going to do when he's going to ask for the gold around their neck. He knows something they don't know. And apparently you don't either, so you're going to learn it now. (laughs) Notice what he says. The one whom God shall choose from among your brethren shall you set a king over you that thou mayest set uh, thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not of thy brethren. Again, we have here an allusion to who? Jesus. That's Deuteronomy chapter 18, 15 lays that out, right? Jesus will be the prophet. He will be the king that God raises up. You guys can see that, can't you? Just one chapter over is about the prophet. Well, what is Jesus? Is he not prophet, priest and king? So we're dealing with the king now. We'll deal with the prophet there. And when we get back to Gideon, we'll deal with the priesthood. All three of them are summed up in Jesus, are they not? Listen to the language. Verse 16. But he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to the end that he should multiply horses. For as much as the Lord has said unto you, you shall henceforth return no more that way. Verse 17 which I had time to unpack it. Neither shall he multiply wives to himself that his heart turn not away. Neither shall he greatly multiply to himself. What? Silver and gold. Verse 18. And it shall be when he sits upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write a copy of the scriptures of the law in a book out of which is before the priest, the Levites. In other words, the king must be a man of the word of God. He must live only by the authority of Torah. Only by the authority of scripture, he has no right to accrue to himself or affirm authority anywhere else but from the word of God. Now, ladies and gentlemen, what you read in verses 14 through 18 fits no man on earth but Jesus. As good as some of the Davidic kings were, they all fall short in this list of requisites leading up to who the true king is. Did y'all get that? It's important for you to know. Verse 19. This is why I said Gideon said, I am not the Christ. This is why John the Baptist said, I am not the Christ. And even the great father of Jesus, David, would tell you, I am not the Christ. Though we must look at David a little bit here, too. And it shall be with him and he shall read therein all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord as God, which is what Gideon is doing. Is he not? Fearing the Lord is God to keep all the words of this book and the statutes to do them. Verse 20. This is where our country has gone way off the rail. That his heart be not lifted up above his brethren. See what I mean? Gideon didn't fall for it because his heart was not lifted up above his brethren. He didn't say, of course, you need to make me king. It's obvious that I'm the choice. Gideon very much understood that the battle was the Lord's. And that God fought the battle and all him and his men did was clean up. And if the victory is to sustain itself, you got to do the right thing even after the victory. This is what we're about to get into. So you can mess it up after the victory if you want to. I love this. That he may prolong, prolong the days of his kingdom 
and he and his children in the midst of Israel. So Gideon was caring enough to make sure his children didn't act a fool. All right, let's go to point number two, begin to work this out. Now, I say under point number one, a king was anticipated, right? So your Bible knows that. So your Bible closes out with King Jesus riding on a white horse and a sword protruding out of his mouth and him destroying his foes. Y'all do know that, right? So, so the kingship, the monarchial rule of Christ is inevitable and it is present, by the way, for those of us who know that God has already set his king on his holy hill of Zion. Do you believe that? Psalm 2, verses 4 and following. So now notice point number two. Not only do we know a king was uh, anticipated, but a king is needed. Is a king needed? Now, we're getting ready to go into understanding biblical sociology uh, and understanding why God raises up uh, authority over your life. It's very important. A king is needed. If you'll notice over in verse 22 of our text, Judges chapter 8, verse 22, notice what it said. Then the men of Israel said unto Gideon, rule thou over us, both thou and your sons and your son's sons also, for you have delivered us from the hands of the Midianites. You guys get that? This is what we call humanism. It's a horizontal interpretation that completely disregards the vertical premise upon which that event occurred. This is what men do and this is what Christians do all the time. They interpret things on a horizontal level. Remember, I've been telling you that's the idea called a horizontal dilemma. When we get trapped in the horizontal and fail to see the portal that is vertical, showing us that the Lord is the one giving the victory. The Lord is the one guiding. The Lord is bringing the outcome. So quite naturally, who should get the glory? Even if he uses you, God should get the glory. And if God doesn't get the glory when he uses you, you default. And if the people act like God doesn't get the glory, they default, which is what is about to happen. This Gideon could hear them completely, completely censoring God in this whole event. Now, here they are being called from one of the greatest oppressors in Israel, the Midianites. They have watched a masterful campaign on the part of Gideon working out a plan to deliver the people of Israel. And they have seen the deliverance come about. And the first thing they do is give credit to Gideon. See what I mean by your eyes need to be open when you read your Bible? So henceforth, I would encourage you when you hear the reading from the elder, ask God to open your eyes that you may behold the wonders of his law so that you're not trapped by the horizontal because so many people are. It will prepare you more readily to understand the interpretation when I lay it out. All right. So you're not in this kind of shock. I didn't see that. Well, you had the privilege of seeing it. Had you asked God to keep you vertical in your perspective of the word of God. Right here we go. So now mark this. Then the men of Israel said, rule thou over us because you have delivered us from the hand of the Midianites. Gideon said, no. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Now I love what God is about to do. So let me lay a few principles before we get to uh, Gideon's affirmation and denial uh, of the fact that he is not the Christ. He's affirming I'm not the Christ and he's denying that I will not rule over you because I am not the Christ. Point number two has two sub points that I want to lay out. A king is indeed needed, and this is the way the judges lay it out. Look at chapter 17, verse 6. Judges 17, 6 uses this phraseology. Are we there? In those days, there was no what? King in Israel. In those days, that's because we're between the patriarchy and the monarchy. 
So there is a liability going on here. There's a liability because you got millions of people called the Jewish people, but they have no hierarchical symbol of absolute authority over their head. What does that mean? As the text says, then every man is given to do whatever he want to do. Every man did that, which is right. And it's what? Is that the country we live in? Because the chief organizing principle in our country is abandoned. The principle that creates unity among the people is abandoned. And whenever you and I abandon the chief organizing principles in our life that constitute who we are, what we are, what we do, and why we do it, then you and I are headed to the same kind of confusion. Well, you have been listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. If you have questions or comments about the program, maybe you would like to learn more about us here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Reach out to us by simply calling 510-886-9782, or you can visit our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Sunday services here at the church are 1030 in the morning. Friday evening is our Friday evening Bible study at 6.30. And man, we've got friends of the ministry from all over the Bay Area who join us for this Friday night Bible study. It is an amazing time of God's Word and sweet fellowship in Christ. 6.30 in the evening Tuesdays, our prayer time and a short Bible study as well. These meetings, again, the directions and information of which you can find at our website, grace Bible. Or by calling 510-886-9782. This program continues to air here on this radio station and on the World Wide Web because you partner with us financially and prayerfully. Thank you for your support. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. And you can either give on a monthly basis or it's a one-time gift. It is all tax deductible. And again, the biggest part of your partnership with us is that we get to continue ministering the gospel of grace here in the Bay Area and all over the world. Consider that as you contact us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastan. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.